Welcome to Ask the Tech Coach, brought to you by the TeacherCast Educational Network. If you are in charge of professional development and looking to build an innovative digital learning experience, this is the podcast for you. Join us each week as we uncover strategies that tech coaches are using to drive their digital transformations one classroom at a time. And now for your host, with over two decades of experience working with tech coaches and edtech companies from all around the world, Jeff Bradbury. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for joining us today and making TeacherCast your home for professional development. This is Ask the Tech Coach podcast, episode number 214, and today is really the second half of an episode that we started a few weeks ago. Today, we're going to be deep diving even further into the conversations of digital citizenship, but we're going to add a few extra things because my guests today are simply amazing. I'm so looking forward to having a great conversation today all about digital citizenship and also how you can bring these topics about digital citizenship, digital literacy, digital identity into your classrooms. The best place to learn all about this is by heading over to askthetechcoach.com where you can not only check out over 213 podcast episodes, blog posts, but you can also join one of our instructional coaching groups. That's right, not one, but not two, but we've got three great instructional coaching networks. Our Facebook group just hit a thousand viewers this week or a thousand coaches, I should say. And if you're looking to connect with other coaches, that is the place for you. If you're looking for something a little bit more professional, we do have a LinkedIn option. And if you're a digital learning leader and you're looking to figure out how to build a coaching program or looking how to bring digital learning coaching into your school district, we do have a new network on a great brand new website called k12leaders.com. All that information is over on askthetechcoach.com. Don't forget to hit on hit us on Twitter at askthetechcoach and let us know that you guys are out there. It is the beginning of the school year. By the time you're listening to this, I'll be back at school. My kids will be working with me. I'll be working with a fantastic team of eight instructional coaches supporting 25 buildings. I was able to meet some of our new math and literacy coaches the last couple of days at orientation. I am looking forward to a great time. I want to hear about you. Um, please do us a favor. Check us out. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. And of course, share this message with your teachers and also your fellow coaches. My first guest today began her career as a classroom teacher, later moved on into instructional technology, and now she's the engagement director at Identity Automation, where she connects educators on different topics such as digital identity. I want to bring on my good friend, Miss Jamie Donnelly. Jamie, how are you today? Welcome to Ask the Tech Coach. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. It is so great to have you here. It was great catching up at ISTE. How was your summer? What did you think of the ISTE conference? How have you been? Oh my gosh. ISTE was, it was fun. It was so good to see everybody. Uh, summer's gone for me here in Texas. We started school a couple weeks ago. Mm. So, um, we're summer's like a, you know, pastime for me. You guys are enjoying it, but <laughs> not us anymore. What are some of the things that you found at ISTE? I'm curious. I've been asking everybody this all summer. Uh, what were the hot topics? What are people talking about? What kind of got you supercharged down there in New Orleans? Well, you know, I was sharing a lot on immersive technology. So using AR and VR in the classroom. Um, it, it's really interesting. I feel like the appetite for looking at that technology is starting to come back. Um, the bigger issues that schools were facing at the beginning of covid 
is certainly not where we're at. However, the things we talked about before that um, were applicable during COVID. It just, it was not on people's plates. It just could not handle one more thing at that point. So um, understandably so, it's it's now starting to kind of revive back again. People are interested. They're talking uh, more about it. I was there with identity automation as well, and I'm certainly talking about, you know, what's happening with digital identity, managing digital identities in schools, and that's super new to schools in most cases, so it was exciting times. I, I agree. Super new to schools as well. That's why I'm happy to have you on. And we're going to talk all about these things. But before that, I want to bring on our second guest today, somebody who goes way back with me and a lot of great stuff here with TeacherCast. And, you know, I remember doing my TED Talk with you. She's the founder and executive director of the Digital Citizenship Institute. And, you know, no matter where you are, what conference, where on the planet you are, if you say the term digital citizenship, somebody comes up and says, do you know this person? And of course I go, yeah, she's a good friend of mine. I want to bring on today Dr. Mary Alice Curran. Mary Alice, how are you today? Welcome to Ask the Tech Coach. Oh, well, you know, we do go way back. So this is an extra special treat to be with both of you this evening. I am so excited to have you on here. Uh, what's been going on with you? You're, you're now uh, Connecticut bound. What are you doing these days? You know, um, I well, I can't believe it. I, in fact, everybody, I tell people I'm from Boston, which is the truth. I am from Boston. I still have my 617 telephone number. I just happen to be living in Connecticut for the last 17 years. But just in case I ever get to move back, you know, I've got that, I've got that cell phone number ready to go. But um, working with school communities, really, uh, all around digital citizenship, you know, that term, uh, this will be a great conversation tonight, um, has been hijacked. You know, I feel like it's become really broad. Um, so I tend to lead with, I work with school communities literally around the world, helping to facilitate how to use technology for good um, at school, at home, at play, at work, uh, a really an intergenerational approach. So it's just not about what our young people are doing in the classroom, but no matter how young or old you are, this is something we actively need to do every single day. Let's frame this conversation and, and we'll see where we go with things. Right now, we have a, and I'll, I'll throw the pun here, Jamie, an identity crisis. We have terms like digital citizen. We have terms like digital literacy. We have terms like digital identity. I think, and please correct me here, a lot of school districts use these terms interchangeable. A lot of terms are, a lot of school districts are building curriculum where these things are one and the same. Um, I'm going to toss the first one up here. Are these similar? Are they brother and sister terms? Are they cousins? Are they homophones? Are they, uh, we have all these different terms. What should we really be figuring out that we're supposed to be teaching? What's the, what's the big thing under the umbrella? And then how do we break that down? If we were going to be looking to build a platform or build some kind of a curriculum for, I'll just say the term digital citizenshipness. <laughs> I'll, well, I'll start off with I just kind of defining what is digital identity. Mary Alice, if you want to go into digital citizenship, and then we can talk about how those worlds collide, too. So just starting off, digital identity is really looking at, you know, who you are online virtually, um, your online behaviors. It's, it's like your identity online across everything. So looking at digital identity is something we're, we're not really seeing across the board, especially at schools. You know, who you are on Google, who you are on Microsoft, who you are on Canva, who you are on, um, you know, Cospaces, all those things are different. 
Usually that unique identifier is somewhat categorized by an email address. Um, that it, but it, every time you're starting from scratch, you're having to identify who you are, put in that same information repetitively over and over. So looking at your digital identity, you're really looking at what is this across the board, um, across everything that we do online. And then I'll let Mary Alice explain the digital citizenship side. Okay, well, it's a little bit, I feel like it's become complicated. Um, and it, I, I think, it ranges from a very reactive definition to a proactive. And so I, I'm, luckily we've got more school communities uh, interested in going beyond that list of don'ts and really focused on taking those don'ts and creating in some I will statements. And, you know, talking to, thinking about this from that ed tech coach perspective, um, how that ed tech tech coach can really be that guide on the side and help facilitate that this isn't like one more thing, right? This isn't like an added like burden on anyone. These skills and concepts can easily be embedded into absolutely every, our routines, our daily routines in the classroom, um, our curriculum, our content. So it doesn't matter what grade you teach or what your content is. Um, this is something that needs to be happening. Our, our, our educators need to be putting this into action every single day and our students need to be active as well as our parents and caregivers and then the outside community. So I, I always look at digital citizenship and it actually, my definition comes from a project I did as a faculty member at uh, the University of St. Joe's. The project was in the fall of 2011 and my college freshman connected with Beth Sanders High School um, juniors at the time in Alabama and the project got coined the iCitizen project and they, the students collectively on social media, you know, we, we broke down classroom walls to connect and collaborate. They defined what it meant to be a citizen in the 21st century and their definition actually is at the core, is my foundation when I work with school communities and it's that ability to learn how to humanize the person sitting next to you because if you can't see the human sitting next to you, you're not able to apply that to people around the world that might speak different languages, um, might look different, practice different customs and traditions. And so I've got to humanize the person next to me so I can apply that to people around the world. And that that next layer is then finding that human online and humanizing, you know, the, the, the part of our online identity, our digital identities as well. Well, you know, all of those examples are fantastic. And I know that you and, and, and your colleagues are all immersed in this world. What would you say out there to a school district or a coach that's just looking to get started? I mean, a lot of people right now are trying to find resources, trying to find examples, just trying to get their foot wet in this concept in the past, you know, going to ISTE sessions and stuff like that, you know, it could be as easy as what would George Washington's Facebook profile look like or what would George Washington tweet to Alexander Hamilton? How, how if you're a coach, can you start these conversations in your school or in your district? Or how do you suggest when working with a teacher that you kind of sneak a digital citizen or literacy or any of that stuff into the normal science, math, social studies uh, curriculum. Jamie, do you want to jump in or do you want me to? I think that's definitely your question. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, I, 
I personally have a different response to that, Jeff, and I'm, I'm sure you're not going to be surprised. So, yes, there are some incredible organizations out there doing great work. They have um, already content and um, um, lesson plans that you could take immediately and implement, but I am not a fan of that approach, the one-size-fits-all. This is a perfect opportunity for passion-based learning, genius hour, project-based learning, whatever. That, those terms are all you know, interchangeable. But here's an opportunity for an ed tech coach, I feel like, where you personalize um, the learning process and and you work alongside the teacher. But the first thing is you need to meet the teacher like where the teacher is, or it could even be the, not just the, the teacher, the, um, the teacher librarian, the media specialist. Um, so you meet people where they are, you meet them at their comfort level and you help move them forward. And I honestly say that you look at what the content, what are the, what is expected? Um, what's that curriculum already? And now we take these skills and concepts about, I mean, I look at it, you can call them elements, pillars. I like to call them layers because we want to keep on adding layers. So um, how do we add being alert? balanced, engaged, informed, inclusive. And then my organization, we want to take those five, and those are from ISTE. Um, we take, and we added a six, which is about being an impactor because a lot of digital citizenship can feel like, okay, we'll have that conversation, we'll put the check in the box, or we'll have that assembly, oh, we have that check in the box. No, that is like, that's barely scratching the surface. Instead, um, how do we do this every single day? How do we create impactors? And those impactors are identifying real problems in local, global, and digital communities. They're solving them, and then they're using technology to inspire and empower others um, that they can be that change. Like, all it takes is one person to stand up and say, I want to be a part of the change. I want to be part of the solution. I don't want to be part of the problem. And so that would be... Uh, it's it's a personalized approach, and uh, we encourage that uh, for our teachers to have a personalized approach uh, with education. Same thing with digital citizenship, with digital identity. So, Jamie, you want to? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think this is kind of framing it up as far as why we talk. First off, Mary Alice and I connected years ago. Um, we were part of doing, or I helped support her event that was for students around the world to connect and collaborate. And oh, Jamie, um, it was called a Dig Citathon. Yeah. And, we're, and it was <laughs> awesome. Very, very slowly. Um, <laughs> we had a blast. It was one of those events that was like, I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I'm going to support you. You're amazing. I want to just know you. And then we got to meet for the first time at Twitter. She hosted the uh, DigiCit Summit. And we got to meet in person at Twitter in San Francisco, which was phenomenal. And then it was like this, the start of this beautiful friendship because while we speak about different things, we always come back to the same kinds of conclusions, which is why I think digital identity fits so well with digital citizenship. I mean, when we're talking about digital identity, it's really honing in to the individual uh, characteristics, their attributes, who they are, right? Um, digital citizenship is the practice of how to use technology effectively. But when you combine those two, what you're looking at is taking, you know, who that individual is and understanding that individual enough 
to be able to support them and empower them to be better digital citizens. And I think that's really where things are so different because right now, what you just asked, Jeff, was a good example, is that it, there is no one size fits all, but there's absolutely no scalable way to meet all of our individual students with all of their individual needs. I mean, that's just not practical. And I think that's where digital identity is a very foundational core piece to all this is that if we cannot be able to look at their individualness of those students and their specific needs, their interests, their activities, the things that they're doing, um, and be able to put that in context of how to support them on an individual basis, personalize that learning experience for them, um, then we're never going to be able to fully capture those individuals. I mean, I feel like that's a conversation we've all had, right? What is personalized learning? Like, how is that even possible for our classrooms? And I think we're starting to approach a time where, especially on the virtual side, being able to reach them on an individual basis, it's just, it's part and a piece of where we're going with digital citizen, digital citizenship. So I have to ask about the third leg of the stool here because we always talk about what teachers can do. And of course, this being asked the tech coach, we always discuss these topics from how can a coach uh, enhance a curriculum, work with a teacher, et cetera. But it wouldn't be a Jeff show if we didn't talk about the triplets here. They're going to be going into third grade, you know, eight years old, going to be nine. Ever since that they were before they were born, I kind of gave them their own digital identity as the edu triplets. They have a website, they have a Twitter, knowing that at some point this was going to be my way to bring in these topics without having them have a, you know, a Twitter account with their name. They're not 13 yet, of course. What can we as parents do to support all of this? How do we show off at home the right way to do things? Not, you know, I always ask the question, how can I be a better daddy? But help me frame that question out. Are we doing the right thing here for our kids? What can we do at home to support these different topics? Mary Alice, we should totally talk about our maze. Uh -oh. I think this is a great example. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because it's, it's the combination of um, both of our passions. And I feel like it that's when we go to present, I feel like we're always presenting. And then sometimes when I show up and it's someone that's an expert with immersive technology, and they're probably looking at me like, why are you here? You know, because I'll never pretend that I'm an expert in that space. But yeah, I mean, we've done it with Digsit um, AR, we've done it with Digsit VR. So Jamie, describe the maze because it's incredible. So here's the thing, we talk about implementing technology, which is what you're talking to many of these coaches about, right? Um, how do you effectively implement this technology? But unfortunately, we jumped the ball and we we're just focused on the technology, especially on the side of immersive technology. So when we're talking about bringing in AR, VR, we start with the tech and we make it fit, which is completely the wrong approach. You want to absolutely know what your goals are, what your objectives, how are we going to reach our students that are struggling? Where are we going to bridge that? And that's when technology should be brought in. What technology can support those learners, right? Um, so when I talk about immersive tech, which most people do, they're sharing the tool, disconnected, maybe brought in in context of the classroom. But in this case, what we did is we said, look, we're going to share what digital citizenship these pillars are. We're going to bring people on this journey, this digit journey, um, in a maze, in a virtual reality maze. And so I met with Mary Alice. We sat down and went through those pillars 
describing what are choices people can make, students, parents, whoever it is, right? What are the choices they can make under this pillar? A good choice, a bad choice, right? And then um, I went into the virtual reality maze, which I made in Mozilla Hubs, and I took signs that guided the, the individual throughout the maze. And if they made a good choice under that pillar, then they went one direction. If they made a bad choice, they would go another direction. So if they made a bad choice in the maze, bad digital citizenship, then they hit a roadblock. They hit a problem. They didn't get to the exit. But if they followed the path, they were learning choices in and under those pillars. And one of those pillars being alert is where we brought in digital identity. You know, understanding your credentials have been compromised, for instance, and there's a compromised credential check in the maze that they can go in and check out to see if their compromised credentials have been out there. Is it in the dark web? Is Did I do something wrong here? Has my information been out there in the dark web and now my organization is uh, volatile? So you have these all throughout the journey, you're making these choices, you're checking things out, you're learning and guided about the pillars and you're doing it in a virtual reality space, which is super hard. It's very hard. It's not as easy as it sounds. It's super fun though. And we get to be in that journey with them. We're walking through the maze, we're talking them through it. We're encouraging them if they hit a problem, trying to help support, just like we do as teachers, as we do as parents. I, yeah. I have to jump in there and say that I did because you just really like being side by side like that is it. And it kind of ties back to, Jeff, what you're just saying now um, with your triplets. I mean, when we did when we were together at the same time for that TED talk, you saw my son give his TED talk. Right. And this is when he had his you know, we had a mother and son. And at the time um, I was there were people that criticized what I was doing. Um, you know, because he wasn't 13 years old, but it was that mother and son, that ability of learning side by side. So whether it's like we're learning side by side, ed tech coach with, you know, educators, or it's the parent and, you know, the child, it's colleagues. I mean, that is, I think, the most important that this willingness um, to learn together and to have, I can tell you, he's turning 16, which I cannot believe, right? Like, I cannot believe that. And he's going into his sophomore year at high school. But I can tell you all the things that we did, like you just described with your triplets, all of that work, all of that time side by side has really paid off because he is so informed about the decisions that he wants to make online. Um, and it's like that idea of like, you know, I know they use the analogy about, you know, you got to do driver's ed. It happens way before driver's ed. Um, think about I like to use that analogy about a bicycle. And all of us, it's about the balancing act, like who held the back of your bicycle as you learned how to balance and navigate. It's the same thing in the um, online world. So I say kudos to you for what you've done with your triplets. By the time, I'm not trying to wish them already to the age of 16, but they will be, they will be ahead of the game because they had the right grown up in their life that, you know, involved them in this type of learning. And that really is what we're trying to encourage tonight is is that uh, all of our, I didn't want this just for my son. I wanted this type of learning for all students everywhere. And you can only have that if you've got grownups that are, whether that's at home or in school, that say, this is a priority and we need to carve out time and space um, for our young people to, to, to put this into action, to make digital citizenship a verb. 
let, let's do a quick fire on that because you know, look, y- your son is amazing. I, I, I dare I say I followed his career, right? But you know, I've known him since he was like six or something like that, like back when we back in the day. Yes or no, short answer only here, Mary Alice. Does he have a Twitter account? It's the original one. Yeah, sorry. I didn't just do yes or no. Yes. Oh, no, no, but that's okay. That's okay. Um, <laughs> do you follow him? Yes. Do you comment on him either? Okay, let me put it this way. Do you comment on his post publicly, you know, the way a mom would do? Right now, no. Okay. Do you because talk? He, okay, I'm only supposed to say yes. No, 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 no. I want you to, because I, I want to get you to a, a spot here. Do you have a conversation with him privately? Like, hey, you should have, you shouldn't have, good boy, you did. Like, do you have those private teachable moments or are your hands off? He's 16. No, amen. It's it's still ongoing. He chooses not to, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's Instagram. I mean, I follow on all of them, but he has made a decision not to have the public life that we, he does not live his life on social media. Okay. Okay. So he uses social media very differently. And if anything, is more of still a creator than a consumer. Does like, he that's have a the website? Best part. Does, does he have a website? No. Wow. Okay. Because my next question was going to be, does he use it as like a, not, not necessarily, I don't see him as a gamer, but I mean like, or is, he, is, it, is it the resume type site? Because he is thinking about his future and stuff like that. I don't, don't know if there's any of those conversations happening. I think that because we were so public, I mean, we used to host Twitter chats together. Mm-hmm. I can just even see it uh, where we'd sit next to each other. And, you know, he, he was like, you know, eight, ten. And he couldn't keep up because everyone wanted to, like, ask him a question. And I remember, you know, I was trying to um, I said, do you want me to respond for you? What should I say? Because he just his typing skills weren't there. But he <laughs> really I mean. He's had the most incredible experiences presenting with incredible educators around the world. Like it's unbelievable. And that definitely set him like apart from his peers. But right now at this particular age, I think probably because of the age, not as interested in being so publicly out there and not living his life on social media. So, Here's the unfair question, and you can kick me under the table later. Because of all of the work you've done for him or done with him and the fact that he is now making a conscious decision as a young adult to not be out there, not put himself on all of those things. I don't know if I'm asking the right question here, but we're friends. Do you consider that as a parent winning the game because – He's making, quote, a good decision about his life and the way that people see him and his identity and all that good stuff. Like, I don't know if I'm asking the right question, but I wouldn't I wouldn't say winning the game. I say that as a parent to be like when we were doing it side by side, mother and son, he was 100 percent into it. Right. Like he he saw the type of learning that was happening in other classrooms and they weren't happening in his classroom. And so I, I went with what he was interested in and we did, he did have his own blog. We, and it was a blog that we did. It was like the mother son, like what we did together. But I, as a parent, I am taking like his lead and he isn't interested in being public right now. And I am a okay with that. Is he going to be public in the future? Like who, whatever, 
I, I don't see this as like I won. Um, I'm just being supportive and um, and respectful about this particular. It's an I, rem, I was a middle school teacher. I mean, he's in high school now, but, you know, middle school working with adolescents, you know, it's a hard age to be. It's a hard age to teach. It's a hard age to parent. And um, while you're figuring out your own, you know, persona, who you are and where you fit in, um, perhaps that's not the best place to do online. Uh, you know, those are conversations we have offline, but that was his decision not to be as public. You know, Jamie, it's interesting hearing what Mary Alice is saying. Obviously, you know, she and I have known each other for a long time and I've seen her 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 son grow up. But the fact that her son is now twice the age of my triplets, um, I'm looking at these stories and I'm going, OK, this is where I'm going to be. Speak to Mary Alice for a second, not as a close friend and colleague, but as a parent. Is this what we should be doing? Should we be sitting down next to our students and or sons and daughters, I should say, at that point and showing them how to tweet, showing them how to do a Twitter chat, showing them the right way? What should be happening or what could be happening at home to to help students make the best decisions once they come of age to make those decisions for themselves? Speaking of coming of age, since your daughter's in third grade, um, they're not quite at the age where they're actually able to be on most social media channels. I actually have a situation where I face the same thing. I had a daughter that was um, getting approaching the age, but not there. And what a lot of kids were doing is they were creating accounts with fake birth dates so that they can get on those accounts. And I warned my daughter that, you know, you are not looking at this right now, but later on, when you've had this account for a long time, you're going to actually have the wrong birth date. And businesses, when you apply for jobs or colleges, when you apply for college, are going to be looking at that information that you started off your social media, um, you know, life lying. And, and I think that those are important things that we're not really talking to our students about or our children about as much. Um, but my daughter decided that she was gonna start a Facebook account um, and said, I'm gonna do it and my parents won't know, but I, I am desperate to be on social media. I've gotta do it. So she started a Facebook account and sure enough, I got notified on Facebook that I should follow. <laughs> and I was like, you have got to be kidding me. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to take this as a, a learning opportunity for her instead of just getting on her. I'm going to, I'm going to prove to her why this is not the right time to hop on age wise, right? Maturity wise. If you're making choices that are against what we've asked for and against the law, quite frankly, on age, then you're you're jumping into this very immaturely and you are likely going to make some bad choices. So I created a fake account <laughs> and I created a boy that claimed to be at her school and his profile picture was literally a picture that I found online from her school of like the gymnasium with a bunch of kids doesn't show anybody. I made up some phony name and, um, and followed her. And guess what? She followed me back. And so I had this grand plan that I was actually going to start talking to her, connecting and eventually get to the phase where she met up with me and guess who would be standing there. Thankfully mom and not somebody else that is scamming her. Right. So, um, I started this path. Um, my husband just lost it one day and was like, it's us. 
you have, you know, created this. Film the beans. But you know what? It was um, a great teachable moment as far as she was like, I thought I knew that kid. I thought I knew who he was. Like just hearing his name, I thought maybe I know him. And, you know, and it was not, it was not a kid. It was an adult that made this and it could be any adult. Um, so when, when we had this conversation, we got to go from that situation instead of, nope, you can't do it. She hops on, she defies us and we just ground her, right? She went through a couple more spouts of just desperate to be on social media we got past that hump. She became of age to be able to get on. And I will tell you that we've had lots of conversations with the guidance of Mary Alice. Um, I was absolutely none, none kind of a parent. Don't do anything. Everything's dangerous out there. And I will tell you through my friendship with her, I have learned so much on how to be part of this journey with my kids. Um, doesn't mean we say yes to everything. It just means that there is an appropriate time to bring them in. And when I can see that they don't have to be on, they're going to be able to make those choices um, in a different way than somebody that has to be on right now, urgent, this is my life. Um, and when they mature enough to get to that place, I see that's when you're going to be able to use this you know, appropriately and we can go through this process together. So my experience as a mom, as a parent, as, I, yeah, I will tell you, even as a teacher, because back in the day when Facebook was coming out, I started teaching students how to use it, what it's about, and telling them about the age thing, going through that whole process with them. And um, I will tell you that I had to go in and stop following people that I was following because they were cussing. And I'm demonstrating this to kids, and I had to show what an example, a great example. So I, I've been through this journey myself and in order to, you know, really demonstrate how to use social media effectively, I had to make those tough choices like they will. I have to ask both of you, do you sleep with your device by your bed? Yeah. That's an unfair question. I use mine for ambient noise, but I don't use it as a phone once, once it's there. Okay. Well, I will tell you that, um, you know, my son does not sleep with a device by his bed because of that early work that we did early on. Like we used to go to like a ball game and I would say a Red Sox game and I would say today we're going device free. Um, and he'd be like, oh, today's the day I'm going to catch the fly ball. And I said, you'll remember that the rest of your life, like those kind of conversations about being present. And that you, you know, don't live your life like trying to capture it or experience it through a screen. And I would always say, I always would ask that question about for grownups, do you sleep with, you know, the device by your bed? You know, and then a lot of times it'd be like, oh, it's my alarm clock. And I would say, go back and get the old fashioned alarm clock, because when you go to bed at night and when you wake up, I want you to be back to the human race and I want you to say hello and good night and good morning and I love you or whether those to the other humans in your house or any furry you know loved ones <laughs> um pets you know and uh but I can tell you on his own without me harping on him I I never he he makes that conscious choice as a teen not to have it you know by his bedside so there's that positive. I I I, I love these stories, and, and I know this will never happen, but I'd love to get a, a show with you and your son and you and your daughter and just get that. Like, I want that podcast now. That, that I think, will be a fun one. <laughs> my daughter's 20 now. I did a podcast with my mom. Yeah, that's, I want one of those going on right now. 
let's let's jump out of the house and let's jump back in here as we kind of wrap things up. You know, there are a lot of school districts that are looking for resources. I think the one that everyone kind of goes to and we use this in our district, too, as kind of that guiding light is common sense media. Lots of great things. Um, and, and we're going to make sure that all of the different links and stuff are in our show notes over here at Ask the Tech Coach podcast, episode 214. But let's just kind of go back and forth. Where do we go to find more information? Where's a good place to go for building curriculum, uh, resources? What's your cell phone number? All of those things. <laughs> How do we get a help for our students here? Uh, we're going to practice good digital citizenship skills and not give you our cell phone numbers. <laughs> <laughs> You know, one thing of it, while, you know, we get ready for October, October is the third week of October is always Digital Citizenship Week. And um, we've done a variety of things where whether we put on an event or we put on a 24-hour event or a week-long event, but this year we're doing a month-long event and we are going to be using the hashtag DigSitSDGs which we're really excited about this combination. So for the ed tech coaches out there, this is a wonderful opportunity to really get, you know, your entire school community involved because it's uh, that combination of digital citizenship and the global goals. So that idea of how do we have our young people identify real problems, you know, solve them and then use social media, um, you know, to inspire and empower others. So our DigSit SDGs for the month of October, every single day during the school week, so it's 21 days out of the 31 for October, we're going to have a different classroom around the world do a social media takeover and to show us what does this look like in action in your community. And so um, I just invite everyone, you know, to, to, to join us because each day there'll be a challenge. And actually, Jamie, this kind of goes with Global Maker Day that happens in October as well. Um, Global Maker Day, I, the, we got inspired because of your format. Like on Global Maker Day, which is October 18th, every half an hour, there's a different classroom and a different challenge. And I've, so is this our eighth year, Jamie? Seven? It is. Eighth okay, eighth year event. of hosting it. This is another great event for our ed tech coaches to get an entire school involved in. But I love that format. And I thought instead of doing a one day event where we talk about stuff, like well, here's the actionable part. And about Global Maker Day, you can pop in, you can pop out during the day, you could take the challenges that day. But if time zones don't work out, you can always come back. You can revisit and those challenges will always be available to you. So um, anyways, it's a, Jamie, jump in and, and and add that because those are things getting ready for um, the entire month of October. We want that actionable piece. We don't want to talk about it. We want to see what it looks like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, Global Maker Day, I'm sure we're going to do our Mozilla Hubs DigSit journey. Um, I think that will be something that students are going to want to go through that we can talk to them about. Um, I definitely anticipate that will be a piece of Global Maker Day. Um, it's going to be a blast, of course. Um, yeah, I mean, I talked to you a little bit about digital identity, which I think, again, is that foreign concept. But, you know, um, where we're seeing it happen in education is the management of our digital identities across our ecosystems in schools, not having to start from scratch, but having um, one place to go in and manage our students and access and um, resources and um, that's all done through identity automation. So identityautomation.com has been um, really an eye-opener 
opener for me. Uh, how have we lived without this for so long in school? So it's an exciting time to see some change happening. Um, you know, I think that Global Maker Day is perfect alignment for what we're talking about. And we definitely will share some of those pillars along that journey as well and um, talk people through it. So if you want to check it out, I know that you have it linked, Jeff. Um, it's really cool. You could share it with your students. It's open to anybody and everybody, of course. Um, and I think it will be a great it's opportunity. It's a celebration. To it's a day of like such creativity, Jamie. And it's like, you know, everybody's a maker, not just that group or those kids or it's everybody is a maker. It's so I mean, the it's so inclusive and it's another wonderful way to embed those digital citizenship skills. So, Jeff, I forgot. I actually think your school district is um, part of our social media takeover. Ladies, thank you so much for coming on. Obviously, with a lot of the great stuff coming in in October, please invite yourself on. I mean, we could do full shows just on digital citizenship, just on identity. All of these great topics are certainly important. Please do me a favor out there if you're listening. Not only hit that like and subscribe button, but check out globalmakerday.com. Check out identityautomation.com. Again, all of the links that we're talking about are going to be over and Ask the Tech Coach podcast episode number 214 along with a number of other things that we've got going on there i certainly recommend you guys checking this stuff out um mary alice let me give you one of the last words here what can instructional coaches be thinking about as they go into the school year on these topics well, I know that uh, it still seems to be, the if we're reading the room, that this is going to be another difficult year for educators. And so, again, anything that you can do to, um, to support, be that guide on the side, um, meet teachers where they're at, help break down their classroom walls. If there was like one thing that I could say that would be a wonderful way to get going with digital citizenship, I'm a massive fan of classroom blogs and where you get, you know, blog pals, that is a wonderful way to, even if it's just blog pals within the same school or the same school district, um, the next time at a different layer, invite a classroom, a school from another area um, around the world to join you, but um, to create authentic opportunities for our young people to not just pass in an assignment, but to publish it. Um, and the more opportunities they have to learn um, with their peers around the world in local, global, and digital communities, the better. Nice. Jamie, last word. Thank you so much, Jeff, for having us. This is a fun conversation. I think it's um, something that needs to happen in every school. We all need to be talking about how digital citizenship is the foundation of how we move forward and how... Um, we, we all need to be a part of that. That's not a conversation just for one person in the district. This is all of us owning it and being a part of um, supporting our students in their growth and even adults, unfortunately. But um, I'm excited to be connected to Mary Alice and learn from her wisdom for sure. Coaches, it's not always up to you, but in this case, this is certainly a topic that I believe you should be helping to lead your school district. We talked earlier about that three-legged stool, whether it be working in the classroom, working as a coach, or even at home working with your own students. We are at that point where 
this is not an option. You have to be having these conversations. You have to be building this into your curriculum. And I'm even going to go a step further in this 22 school year saying it is not just the job of the instructional coach. It is not just the job of the library media specialist to teach these skills. If it means talking about George Washington's Facebook account, great. If it talks about what what you know Alexander Hamilton's fa- uh, Twitter profile or whatever is going to look like, these are the opportunities for us to shape what our future of our students is going to look like. We've given you several ideas, and we want to hear from you. Please feel free to reach out to us over on Twitter at Ask the Tech Coach. Head on over to AskTheTechCoach.com. Scroll to the bottom. Join our instructional coaches group. We are now over 1,000 strong on our Facebook group. We would love to have you guys be a part of it. The party is strong each and every day, and we're looking forward to supporting coaches. So head on over to askthetechcoach.com. Join our instructional coaching groups today. We would love to have you. And again, thank you for making TeacherCast your home for professional development. So on behalf of Mary Alice Kern, Jamie Donnelly, and everybody here on TeacherCast, my name is Jeff Bradbury, reminding you guys to keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions with your students. You've been listening to Ask the Tech Coach, hosted by Jeff Bradbury of the TeacherCast Educational Network. Please reach out to the show with all of your questions on Twitter at AskTheTechCoach or online at www.askthetechcoach.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. And please take a moment to write a review in the App Store.